0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Jen is still working out some tech issues, so make sure that you smash that like button. And for those of you who have been joining us over from Status Quo News, welcome, if for the first time, to Generational Change. And I have to say, one of our most amazing supporters, Big Dumb Animal, has let us know that he will be wearing his Here Comes the Sun jersey at Universal Studios next week. Thank you very much for supporting the wonderful show and so for each and every one of you who is here and is new make sure that you smash that like button let's make sure we get this out to as many people as possible and if you are <clears throat> so generous in considering supporting our show remember you could go over to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as low as five dollars a month you can support our efforts to transform politics into service very $5 contributor gets an intro gift of the Lulu sticker. As you guys probably remember, Lulu is the mascot of our wonderful channel. Of course, it is Jen's lovely uh, dog. And for those who would be so considerate of being a $10 a month patron, you will get our last Mansion Parliamentarian bumper sticker. You know who asked one of the Mansion Parliamentarian bumper stickers? Our friend Jordan Cheriton at Status Quo News right under the United Corporations of America flag. So, you know, you definitely want to get one of these bad boys if you're so inclined. But, of course, if you are so inclined to support our efforts and really want to be generous, a $25 a month patron will get themselves the Generational Change jersey. Silky Smooth makes uh, a wonderful gift for yourself or for someone that you know. It's a jersey style. Really love it. The tri-blend. Mucho perfecto. So... I'm a huge supporter of this effort, and that's why I'm here promoting our wonderful channel. Now, of course, if you are so inclined, but you don't want to put your information on the grid, and you do want to, yes, Teresa, I did make the transition, as you can see. I am wearing my generational change jersey. Again, you have to go with the branding. Branding is important. Marketing is important. Remember that. But if you do want to make a contribution to our channel and you are so inclined to do it, but do not want to keep your credit card information on the grid, which is understandable because most people do not, make sure you go over to Cash App, dollar sign, Jen Change. That is how you can contribute over there. And we are certainly appreciative of any and all contributions that would come in. So while we wait for Jen to join us and hopefully she will be here because unfortunately, so here's the story with Jen's current technological situation. Her phone died after not being able to hook up her computer. So now we're in the process of potentially having her recharge her battery on her phone in the process. So I'm not 100% sure exactly what she's going to do. But our two guests this evening, Kevin Gostola and Anne Levitsa, will be along in the next yeah, about 10 minutes. So it will be short. Um, but there was something, uh, you know, that while we're here, we obviously would want to talk about. And I think that this would be, even though it's just me solos, give me an opportunity to be a little ranty, if you will, as Jordan uh, likes to do over at Status Coup. So for those of you who were watching over at Status Quo, I was able to really get into this conversation regarding uh, Mr. Brad Whitford and his wonderful thought process about what actually is important regarding how you get voters to vote Democrat in the election. Doesn't seem that he is very well versed in how you convince people to do that. And big dumb animal, we certainly will not object to that. If you do wanna give a super chat, that's certainly appreciated, but that should only be in cases where we have an extremely large audience and and comments are coming in full throttle and you want to make sure yours gets noticed, but highly recommend going over to Cash App or over to Patreon uh, Patreon if you want to support our efforts. But as I was saying, and remember to smash that like button and get this out there to as many people as you can. You know, Bradley Whitford, as we have said many times uh, already, is sort of uh, representative of just how far the Democratic Party has actually sunk in many ways in terms of who they actually get out there to support their cause. Now, in the case of Brad Whitford, he is somebody who, for one reason or another, is not only going to be the guest speaker at this upcoming Dem Blue Gala that is taking place here at the Fontainebleau in Florida. There was an important element of the story that I didn't get a chance to get into that would certainly appreciate your guys' feedback. Because the one thing that is really important here to remember is that not only are they having a you know, sort of like a, a Deborah Messing, uh, you know, who am I? am blanking on the name at the moment. Uh, Neera Tanden, uh, Pod Save America, you know, those guys. Uh, the ones who constantly want to tell you how great the Democrats are, not even, you know, we're getting to the point now where they're not even trying to convince you that the Democrats are any good. What they're actually trying to do is tell you that, yeah, we know we suck, but those guys suck worse, so make sure you support us. And so Mr. Whitford, his infinite wisdom wants you to believe that it is impossible for me not to express my rage today at so many progressives who couldn't get excited or didn't show up in 2016 you were blind to the fundamental rights that were at stake the most vulnerable citizens will pay the price of your effing privilege vote i don't know but that doesn't really seem to be a very convincing way to get people to support your cause in fact I think it's a very ludicrous way to try to get people over to your side. But here's the part of the story that isn't being talked about enough. The Democratic Party has a real identity crisis problem when they're being funded by Silicon Valley and Wall Street claiming to be the party of working people, which they're not. So the problem they now have here in Florida is that they wanna raise money to try to support candidates. So please tell me why out of all the places, and keep in mind, This is the Dem Blue Gala for the entire state of Florida. This is not like, you know, they're putting it in Orlando, which only makes sense from a traveling perspective for most people in the state. But no, let's put it at the Fountain Blue in Miami. I mean, if that doesn't screen privilege or the disconnect at the highest level, I don't know what does. That is a serious identity problem that the party is going to have to rectify which they're already having a hard enough time doing. There are 67 counties in the state of Florida. Of the 67, about seven or eight of them are blue. That's it. And so the argument being, we have to put this in a place where we have to be able to attract uh, enough support. The fountain blue to do an event like this is gonna cost an arm and a leg. So just spitballing here, but if you're really concerned about improving the infrastructure of the party, wouldn't it make sense to potentially do this in part of the state that could really use the influx of the money that could be brought into a hotel that can host people for a few days? There's plenty of places to choose from. Hell, you could do it in Tallahassee for all I care. You could do it in Gainesville, You could do it in Jacksonville. You could do it in Daytona. You could do it in Cape Canaveral. You could do it in Ocala. You could do it in Fort Myers. But no, let's do it in Miami. And let's not only do it in Miami. Let's do it in a place that basically no one can afford to go to. Chris Garrett has it right on the money. What were they pandering to? Well, on the one hand, they are at least being objectively honest that they really do not care about optics at this point. They're just going right for the money. And their assumption is, is that they're going to get paid. But as we often like to say. One of the biggest problems that exists in politics today, and it's worse on the Democratic side than on the Republican side, is the consultant industrial complex. That is a huge, huge problem. The consultant industrial complex is one of the biggest problems that exists. And on the Democratic side, it's worse because on the Democratic side, you don't actually have to win elections. On the GOP side, you have to win. You want to keep getting hired as a consultant and getting paid a lot of money? You have to, you know, show your work on the Democratic side. That doesn't even come into the equation, which is why I think most of us know that the reason it exists in the first place is the preponderance of what the system represents. It's not about whether you win or lose. It's about whether you get paid, because that's what people care about. I know people on campaigns as we speak right now that they're only there to get get a paycheck. They're not there to win. They don't even care if they win. And they know that they can't win. But hey, if they're going to pay, I'm going to take it. I don't necessarily blame them. But I think we have to be very honest about what this is all about. It was an issue enough as it was going from President Biden to Senator, uh, Congressman Julian Castro For those of you who may or may not know, Julian and Joaquin Castro, the Castro brothers of San Antonio, they law clerked with Jen. They were they they know each other. They were in the same office in San Antonio. And he became, you know, the noted political figure. And he was the guest speaker. And this was 2018. I want to say it was 20. Yeah, it was 2018. And in 2019, we got Chris Coons, senator from Delaware. Good friend of President Biden. And of course, in 2020, we didn't have it because of the pandemic. 2021 as well, we didn't have it. But now as we come full circle here in 2023, Brad Whitford is our keynote speaker in a state with 30 electoral votes. And they are making a big deal about this guy speaking here. I would have had an issue with it making it seem like it was a big deal to begin with, having him as the guest speaker, like that was what was going to move the needle. The issue I have is what he said, and it seemed like the Democratic Party in this state was applauding what he was saying. You can't win an election, especially at the state level, without the progressive left. And yet they will constantly continue to crap all over them even though they know it's a losing strategy and they go right along with it. I didn't see one person of note, Jen did, but you know, one person of note to say, Mr. Whitford, this is not helping, this is hurting. And you better believe that there is nobody who is gonna show up at that gala that is gonna say those words to him. They should, I'm not gonna be there. I have, you know, a career. That takes priority and I will be out of town. But if I was there, I don't know how I wouldn't say something. It's a bad look. It's a bad look and it's not doing anybody any favors. And this state continues to go redder and redder by the day. And that allows for even greater electoral takeover in other parts of the country. This state will not be competitive next year, it will not be close in any way, and it's gonna be ugly. And in many ways, yes, it starts with Debbie Wasserman Schultz, but there are many reasons as to why we have landed in this spot, and it could have been prevented. But people wanna get paid, and they don't care who they have to run over to get paid. That's why I always say, there's nothing wrong with being in politics. (laughs) It can be very rewarding in many ways because you're fighting for causes that you really believe in, but you wanna avoid the drama at all costs if you can. But let me teach each and every one of you a key lesson here when it comes to politics. Don't ever, ever trust anybody in politics, no matter where they stand, no matter what issues they claim to support. If their livelihood is dependent on the system Do not trust them, ever, because they will ultimately let you down when all the chips are in the middle of the table. I've seen it before. I will see it again. And I assure you, it can be avoided. But you have to recognize where the line gets drawn. People can go out there and say that they support universal health care if it's not their career that comes into question. There are people right now that are supporting universal health care because it's the politically convenient thing to do, and no more obvious circumstance does that exist than with Adam Schiff running for the U.S. Senate out in California. He doesn't support universal health care. He might say that he does, but if you look at his financials and who he's involved with, he does not actually support it. So if there was an opportunity to get that force the vote opportunity, rest assured, He was probably one of the leading voices behind the scenes saying this this bill cannot come to the floor for a vote. Because he can't vote yes. He has a career to worry about. He wants that money from private insurance and big pharma. And he will not get it if he is out there casting a vote in the direction of yay for people to avoid having for-profit middlemen in between them and their doctors. And don't even get me started on the GOP. You know, all of you right populists out there who claim that you hate big pharma for what they did during the pandemic and you hate the fact that you have to pay Blue Cross and Aetna and Cigna and United money that they don't deserve and should never have. If you are not on board with a universal health care system through single payer, you're all full of shit. Get with the freaking program already. This is the only way we avoid this. And let me tell you something. When the next pandemic comes, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later, if you want people to actually trust what is going on with the government, if there is a for-profit motive in healthcare, you will never trust them. And you shouldn't. And I'm vaccinated. But I don't trust them. Why would you? Their motive is to make money. And if you die, oh, well, that's the whole essence here of Julian Assange. Julian Assange has been one of the greatest assets in our nation's history, and he's not even American, but he has exposed this for-profit system for all it's worth, whether that includes dealing with the war machine or dealing with the rigging of elections, because people who are going against the for-profit health system, among other things, they will not be allowed to, they will not pass go, not allowed. you will not pass go. The sooner the working class unites and recognizes that fact is the sooner this is going to change. That's all you can hope for. I know in my heart of hearts that it is still possible, but I will say that people really need to check their egos at the door. And it's a big problem. And there's a lot of infighting that goes on all the time. We see it every day and for the people who are not courageous enough to stand up on behalf of Julian Assange, that is, a, that is a clear indicator of who is really a fighter and who isn't. There is no question that that is the line. And when you see people who do not have the courage to stand up for what they believe in when it comes to this very issue, that is that is where you know who's really going to be fighting on your behalf and who isn't. Because if you stand up in support of Julian Assange, you will get blacklisted. It happened to our channel. We know we've been shadow banned because of the live stream that Jen did with Katie Halper. This is two years ago in a growth period for our channel. And we, oh, you def- better believe we got on the radar quick. Jen, welcome. Can you hear me?
1: I think can you you probably can you hear me?
0: Yes, you're good.
1: Okay, because I can't like I'm like all kinds of a mess here. I'm having really technical problems. Um, I was telling you send me the link, send me the link, so I haven't been able to listen to whatever it is you've My been saying. Said. So I have no idea because I told you I'm having problems. send me the link, send me the link.
0: It's just basically it was started. better
1: on my phone, and it that was just working so much better when I was doing it that way. So, well, I I, I,
0: we're still waiting. Ann uh, uh, Ann uh, here. Well, uh, I, would her you car please? Car
1: so I'm asking you again yeah. to send me the link to my phone, and I'm going to try it that way.
0: Okay, I, I will okay. email it to you.
1: Okay, that just makes it okay. Let's see where that is. I did not get any. All right. Finally. All right. Okie dokie.
0: Should I? No. Okay. so Jen will be back in a minute. But yes, that's the best lesson that I can give you guys. When it comes to how this political racket works. Do not. It doesn't mean you can't be friendly with them. But do not trust people whose livelihoods are dependent on the political machine. Because if you do, you're walking into a trap. We've seen that for multiple, multiple years. And as I was just alluding to, and our wonderful guest and friend of the show, Kevin Gostola, has just arrived. And we will be bringing him on in a second. You know, Assange really is, uh, he is the measuring stick. As I was saying, that if you really wanna know, because what I've been telling the audience is that the best lesson that I think we can give people when it comes to politics is this, and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you fall on, this is whole thing related to Brad Whitford, is that if you are dealing with somebody who is reliant on the political system to make a living, do not trust them. Because eventually they will let you down. They will choose their career over the cause 99% of the time. Even Bernie Sanders is guilty of it. And we love Bernie. But we have to be honest and realistic. But as we are going to share with our guests, I really do believe that what we've learned over the past few years is that if you really want to know who truly believes in the cause and who doesn't, find out where they stand on Julian Assange. And then you will know for sure if they really are fighting on behalf of our civil liberties and of the working class and not yeah. of the establishment. That is basically the line. And in many ways, that's the line that we will cover, and we'll love to hear it from our friends. You know him as a journalist over at Channel Proof. He's been on here multiple times. We call him the Julian's Conscious Journalist. That's how I look at it. Kevin gostol welcome back to
2: Generational Change. Oh, hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having
0: me.
1: Absolutely, no. Always good to see you. You're always like our touchstone for all things Julian Assange. So I appreciate you being able to come on this day.
0: We are also we're also very pleased to welcome for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, member of the Julian Assange defense team, which is uh, or or the organization that helps uh, defend Julian Assange. And Batista, welcome to Generational Change.
3: Thank you so much for having me, and it's an honor to be here with you and Kevin.
2: Hey. Hey, Anne. So
1: today, obviously, we know there were so many different actions going on around the country. Um, Is there anything that either one of you noted in particular, any particular actions that are standing out to you in terms of something that might have had a really good turnout. I know that there were a bunch of activists in Florida that were doing a whole bunch of banner drops at the same time, but I'm just curious what you guys have seen today um, in terms of any sort of movement.
3: Well, I, I know that uh, there were 23 states where actions occurred and I believe 48 cities on the latest list that I saw. Um, and I'm kind of in the dark because I literally just walked in the door from ours. Um, we had a we had a wonderful uh, experience here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I know uh, Madison, uh, they uh, displayed their banner early in the morning. And uh, I think uh Martha Rose Summers, who was handling that, uh, organizing that, she, I believe they've moved around to maybe four locations today, and my hat's off to them.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm, you know, catching up and looking at all the lists, Uh, there were drops in Washington and Wisconsin. Uh, I know there was activity in New York, Oregon and Pennsylvania, as well as Rhode Island and Tennessee had actions here where I'm based in Chicago. I'm not too far from Anne. In fact, I met Anne at the Roger Waters concert. Um, But uh, in Chicago, uh, some of the drops actually happened earlier over the weekend. I did get to see one over the interstate highway that feeds into Chicago. Uh, And so I think the last three or four days, knowing that Julian's birthday was coming up, there's been heightened activism just throughout the whole country.
1: Yeah, that's always a plus. You know, any excuse for there to be more people catching, you know, getting involved in this. So, you know, Kevin, tell us where we are right now. Like, what is I mean, the last we heard um, the appeal against the extradition charge was denied. Um, so, and, and so catch us up or, and if you know that too, I'm just so used to Kevin knowing all
2: these things I shouldn't even ask. Well, and go ahead. You can, you can speak on this and then I'll just add to it.
3: Well, um, so, uh, Julian's lawyers had submitted a 150 page, um, uh, appeal document. It appealed on eight different counts. And uh, the judge, Jonathan, Jonathan Swift, in the High Court in the UK, uh, sat on that for nine months. It took him nine months to write a three-page dismissal of everything. And in that uh, three-page dismissal, he added that now Julian's lawyers, uh, he seemed annoyed that their defense uh, document, which is really brilliant, it's it's amazing. Um, that uh, he said it needed to be whittled down to 20 pages. And then the, he, they would, the next step is, the final step in the UK courts really is to be heard before a two court, a two judge court, the hearing. in he had three page document. He stipulated that hearing can last no more than 30 minutes.
1: So that's like the essential, that's our version of a Supreme Court. That's basically what, like that is where you just have X amount of time to say what you've got to say and that's it.
3: Well, they do have a Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court is uh, undoubtedly not going to hear an appeal. So this really is the last effective appeal in the in the UK system. This is the high court. And then uh, if, um, well, Kevin, you want to talk about the, the, the other possibility?
2: Yeah, so um, after the, Court of Appeals or this this high court here that we're, we're in, there's the potential to go to the European Court of Human Rights. Um, and this has been discussed. You know, There's been some activists who have been out there and said, well, why hasn't the defense for Julian Assange gone ahead and put forward their appeal in that court yet? And in fact, they actually did while they were waiting for this appeal in the appeals court which I'll come back to and give an extra comment on in a moment. But just to finish this, the Human Rights Court said to them that they actually needed to wait until they had been denied at the appeals court level to file in the Human Rights Court. Uh, they, the TMAC obviously believes that they'll have a better shot at defending Julian in the European Human Rights Court because it's part of the EU, there have been EU organizations that have come out in support of Julian Assange, or at the very least, condemned this as an attack on press freedom. So they do feel like that uh, court system would would listen to them. But there's this fear. There's this really real fear. And I think it's entirely based in the way that the US government might act, that the British authorities would take advantage of the delay in the notification to Julian Assange's team to get him out of Belmarsh Prison and. Process him and put him on a plane and and extradite him before they're actually able to file in the human rights court. So you know, one of the things uh, that people really need to be aware of is that you know we we could wake up and just learn in the news that there's this airplane, it's on its way, and he's about to be arraigned in Alexandria, Virginia, which makes it really difficult for me to plan ahead to be there to be in alexandria so i can continue to cover every phase of this case but i think it's intentional i mean they want to blindside us um and that's a really important point and i know there's going to be a lot that you want to talk about that but other thing i want to get in here very quickly is just to say that this appeal that was filed that Anne was talking about came in the summer of last year and now julian assange is just celebrating another birthday Last year, when he was 51, they filed this appeal. Around the time that he was 51, they had been putting in this appeal. It took this court or this, just, this justice almost, you know, te- 10 to 11 months to go ahead and say, mm, you know what, we're not going to give you uh, a full hearing of this court. And in fact, we're going to deny we're going to deny it, and then we'll we'll kick it up to the last remaining process where you know you could challenge this court again, and then we'll give you this kind of like mini court hearing. Like we'll do the bare minimum to give you a shot at bringing your claims of having your human rights violated. <laughs>
1: Nothing about it surprises me. I mean, the UK has definitely been like in lockstep with whatever um, DC has been wanting to do with this. And it's been very clear, even from that one barrister whose decision wasn't even based on the merits, like that was like like, a couple of Januaries ago that put that off. And it was like, that was sort of the best that they could do. You know, I almost feel like they're about as weak as Joe when he blames the parliamentarian. I don't understand why it's like, that's the best they can do. Are they just such our bitch? Is that what it is?
2: Uh, I think they actually are warming to some of these aspects of our government and society that we always thought they would be different. Like, I I always had this idea. I guess I guess I was guilty of romanticizing them. I always believed that you know, the UK was a little bit better. And I've come to learn that there are some really important peculiarities about the government and the culture within London and the parliamentary system and what, uh, you know, the Labour Party does. The Labour Party might actually be even more rabid than the Democratic Party here in this country and what they're able to get away with. Obviously, um, actually, I think that's true because... The Democrats here, as much as they're in the bag for like APAC and other of these more neoliberal corporate groups, watch the labor files from Al Jazeera English and see the purge of people who have just been outright banned from ever participating in Labor Party activities ever again. And this is supposed to be their liberal left opposition, that'll challenge the conservatives and the Tories. And, and just right now I'm watching, uh, there's this great clip going around of the president of Signal talking about how there's some bill going through parliament to put a backdoor in encryption technology so that the like GCHQ and then I assume the NSA will be able to do what they'd like to do to freely hack in and access our devices when they want to engage in their mass surveillance as exposed by NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. So like the more I've learned through this case about London, the less I have those, you know, I guess those, those, um, rose colored goggles there, because, you know, as I, as I learn about how the prison population has been ballooning in the UK, uh, it's, it's like, I always thought our country was the problem, had the problem with mass incarceration. You know, they're not there yet, but they seem to be taking after us. They've had bills to ban protesting in London. This country is not as free as it makes itself out to be. And then of course, I guess as a country that um, you know we, we decided we didn't want to be real, ruled by King George any longer. I mean, they still tolerate this farce of having this token monarchy that rules over them, which has a lot of influence and a uh, basis in slavery and it's just kind of incredible And though these judge these judges by the way when they are in the room telling julian what he can and can't say in court um and accosting him for outbursts when he gets upset that they are foreclosing his ability to defend his rights and they have those silly wigs on their heads that you see and they you know, they still do that they you know they go in and even like the uh the some of the sometimes the lawyers who represent their clients like they go in there and they have to put on the silly wigs too so like what is going on with the system but they are our lapdog they do everything that the us government wants and i think i've said before here that Uh, It it probably predates this, but my political consciousness begins with the Iraq war. And I mean, this is what Tony Blair did for George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. He just made sure every step of the way that they were there. You follow that timeline. And it was actually the UK and then Spain that were the most um, aggressive in collaboration with George W. Bush to ensure that they Um, had some way to pull everybody into the invasion of Iraq. And, uh, you know, the UK can always be counted on. And you look at these rulings and what you see in them is that the relationship between the US and UK is more important to the people involved than Julian Assange. And it says that. It says that. It says that the diplomatic relationship means that they're going to trust what the US government says that, you know, oh, we're going to treat Julian Assange fine. Oh, we're going to do this and that. Don't worry. He'll get that if we, if he asks for it. Oh, hey, by the way, if he gets convicted, we'll let him go serve his prison sentence in Australia. You know, wouldn't that be nice? Never conceding that like this shouldn't even exist as a prosecution in the first place. So they put the relationship before Julian Assange's human rights. And I've just, I've learned a lot about the UK. It is not this this country that uh, I don't actually think it belongs in the European Union the way it behaves. I mean, it took itself out through Brexit, but I don't know if the European Union would want the United Kingdom to be part of it anymore.
0: Well, they'll always want them to be a part of it because of the economic (laughs) benefits that come with that nation. But I think it would be very key to transition to the war in Ukraine because one of the things about what's going on right now is we've learned about the fact that this war could have, war could have easily been ended within the first few weeks but we all know that the bottom line is that all war is about money and the innocent lives of the people in Ukraine be damned, including the innocent lives of the people in Russia be damned as well. So now (laughs) when you think about what's happening with Julian Assange, you think about all of the war crimes and all of the war profiteering that has been going on in Ukraine over the past year. And by prosecuting Assange, they do not want anyone thinking that they are going to come out And have some type of a WikiLeaks dump about all of the ish that has been going on behind the scenes with President Zelensky and a whole bunch of other people. There's been a little bit of trickling coming here and there, but I think that as we go forward, hopefully someone will have a level of Assange in terms of courage to say, oh, yeah, you think what was going on with the war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan are bad? Have a look at what's been going on here in Ukraine, and they don't want that coming out because that's the fastest way to get public opinion to turn on the world in your class.
1: I will say that that Max did a really nice job speaking at the UN Security Council Council, and you want to talk about pointing out the nonsense in Ukraine and that audit. So I will give props to Max because that is somebody that just did exactly that. So I do appreciate. It. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead.
2: Oh no, Anne I, I can jump in here. I've been talking a lot. Yeah.
3: Well, I I think it's just ironic that now uh, Zelensky um, has suspended elections until there's peace. And of course, this is another reason For him not to want to have peace in Ukraine, uh, I can imagine that people are pretty upset with him at this point. But it's just ironic because, uh, you know, as you all know, in Ukraine, he's shut down opposition parties. He's shut down opposition television stations. He's uh, outlawed uh, Russian churches. And so when people, I mean, throughout when I would, talk to some of my friends they would all say oh but you know we're fighting for democracy in Ukraine and I mean this just gives uh, the lie to that statement.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. He's definitely been using this as a huge power grab over there and playing on all of our like neo libs over here to hang Ukraine flags in their windows, like as if they're standing in solidarity with something. They're such useful tools to the establishment in that. And it's amazing to me that these people keep falling for a different ruse, but with the same story over and over and over again. Um, And I I feel like I'm just going to say it now, I'm against the next war. So therefore, we won't even have to have this discussion because I'm just putting it out there. I'm against it now.
0: Yeah, we all should be against it now. And this is just another example of how much further down the rabbit hole we can go. And in terms of how much this can get out of control, I don't think people really realize, Kevin, just how (laughs) precarious this situation is and the more that these so-called walls are closing in, as they would say about Trump. No, the walls are closing in on Ukraine and people are dying at a completely unconscionable rate that people don't wanna talk about, um, which should be scaring the hell out of everybody and that is why, probably as much as any reason, they attempted to do some type of a coup against uh, against Putin. And of course, who was the person who attempted to coup Putin? Well, somebody who's even more of an insane person than even he is. So, you know, it's really not a surprise that this is where it's, it's evolved into. But as we've seen, if, the, if journalism was allowed to be practiced, if our First Amendment rights were allowed to be practiced on a global scale, we would have known what was going on in Ukraine long before this even started, the whole infringement regarding NATO, what happened in Crimea in 2014. Everyone thinks this thing just came out of thin air. It didn't. This was a succession of things that led to, now we're gonna have to use military might to show you just how serious we are. Um, So much of this could have been avoided, as far as I can
3: see. Well, as you know, Julian said, if, if wars can be started with lies, peace can be started with truth. And given the state of our corporate and state media now uh, as revealed through the internal communications at Twitter, the conversations uh, that they were having regularly as well as Facebook and and now, I guess there's 25 other uh, big tech companies who were having regular conversations. But uh, Twitter was meeting with the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security weekly And the the FBI was funneling requests from every imaginable entity, the CIA, the Pentagon, the DOJ, even municipal police forces. And the requests came along with Excel spreadsheets of accounts that um, these people wanted silenced or their visibility filtered on Twitter. And um, and then, of course, um, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, um, well, Matt, I think, hired several more journalists, and they delved into what they call the censorship industrial complex. And uh, in their publication, I think it's uh, they document 50 different NGOs that are receiving government money, essentially, to frame the narrative that we all hear. So more than ever, we need Julian, we need Julian, we need WikiLeaks, we need somebody who can break through this wall of propaganda that we have in order to let us know some truth about what our government is doing in our names.
1: That's precisely why they're not letting him free. Uh, that's exactly what they figure. If he, if he had been free this whole time, imagine all the other stuff they'd have to be running around and covering up, you know, I mean, that's essentially it. He's very dangerous to them. Um, and, and they're very angry. And I think ultimately what happened is he pissed off people like Hillary Clinton and, um, those people that have made it very personal. It's like a personal vendetta at this point is how it feels to me. It's very personal. Um, and it's just, it's absurd. And anybody with any knowledge about anything having to do with our constitution and law knows that it's absurd. So it's just at this point, I just can't believe they keep continuing this. It's just, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, but why it was so important for people to be out and like, and I think, you know, uh, we just bid farewell to Pentagon Papers whistleblower Dan Ellsberg, who was Uh, a big supporter of mine. And I know, you know, he went to communities um, like Ann's in Milwaukee and all over the, he talked with all of these groups that uh, before COVID, I mean, um, things really upended in his life when, the pandemic hit because he was a 90 year old man but i mean think of this person traveling all over the country engaging in civil disobedience really willing to put his body on the line and also acknowledge some of these issues that i know are on the mind of everyone tuned in like you no know, are we going to have a nuclear armageddon because of this new uh this this ukraine conflict like you know is something going to happen that is irreversible or are we going to see a kind of nuclear meltdown in one of Ukraine's many nuclear reactors because there's just been fighting around there. We're going to see some kind of environmental devastation. We've seen some incredible acts of sabotage, Ukrainian or Russian or Ukrainian and U.S. NATO or CIA or whoever is responsible. Someone's blowing all of these things up and causing inc- incredible damage and upending the lives of uh, Ukrainians in this war. And, you know, Meanwhile, Dan would speak out about this all the time while supporting whistleblowers. And one of the things he had to say was that, you know, we, you know, we don't have a lot of chance. Like there's no guarantee, nothing that we do. You know, there's a lot that we have to fight uh, and we're up against quite a bit, but we do have a small chance and all we have to do is like take that small chance and do something with it in order to fight. And so, I know, I, I, I really take that. I mean, I think it's important as, as bleak as everything seems there, there are always going to be fissures. There's always going to be opportunities and that's where all the people involved in the Assange defense work um, and people who are engaged in campaigns that may seem fruitless right now, you know, we never know what they might amount to. I mean, I, I, I never would have thought that the judge was going to spare Julian Assange momentarily and and say like, oh, uh, it would be oppressive for mental health reasons to extradite him back in January of 2021. That just was like, oh, OK, I wasn't prepared for that. Now I have to recalibrate. And now the United States is actually having to defend their heinous prison system to the UK course. Well, they did fine. They were able to call in some help, some state department interference from Tony Blinken. They were able to get back on the feet that they wanted to stand on. Um, You know, but also I remember what happened with president Barack Obama and he commuted the sentence of Chelsea Manning. And I never would have thought that would happen. Why is, why, why would Barack Obama care? Why would he show mercy to Chelsea Manning? He didn't like what she did one bit. He didn't like that. She gave all that information to wikileaks that julian assange then published which he's now being prosecuted for uh, publishing and you know engaging in that journalism that exposed the iraq and afghanistan wars and revealed the injustice of guantanamo and the the hellhole prison that the military keeps down in that occupied territory of cuba and uh, he didn't want to give any credibility to that. But there were people who had his ear from the LGBTQ plus community who convinced him that something needed to be done. Show mercy to this person who is going through such an incredible time. She's going to die in a military prison if you don't free her. And he did it. And so I don't, I don't think they're the same. I think it's there, there's, there's, there's different sets of issues, but you, you never know what's going to turn. You never know what it's going to be. I mean, right. Now, in the last couple of months, it's been really fun to watch how the detention of and I'm not saying that it's fun that Evan Gershkovich has been detained. I don't want him to be detained, but it's been amusing to watch them try to do the verbal gymnastics that are required to say that those two cases aren't the same. And it's really jammed up the State Department and this whole U.S government machine that is supposed to make people believe that we support democracy and human rights. Well, if they call for Russia to free Evan Gerskovich, which they absolutely should, but if they call for that, then shouldn't they stop prosecuting Julian Assange? I think the answer is obviously yes. And I think they know it. And that's why when reporters have asked them about the hypocrisy. You know, we have, there's a clip out there of Karine Jean-Pierre just saying that, you know, she's not going to engage in that. She's like, shoes the reporter away. And so uh, they know, they know exactly. That's also why the state department decided that they were on world press freedom day going to endorse the prosecution of Julian Assange because they didn't want to get sucked into um, this idea that they were being hypocrites. So they were just like, okay, we see Julian Assange is different from Evan Gershkovich and not a journalist. And that's what we're going to maintain. Okay, fine. If that's your story, but like up until this point, they had wanted to not engage with it at all. And they're afraid, they're afraid of people asking questions about this. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that if Julian Assange is supposed to be freed, then we don't really have any right to tell Vladimir Putin that he needs to free our American journalist there's also a journalist that I wrote about that India jailed, um, accusing him of espionage. Well, um, all three of these people are accused of collecting state secrets and this is the future that we are creating by having governments that you know prosecute um, foreign journalists um, that, um, or people who are working for um, international media organizations. This is the world we are creating, that the US is creating through its actions and this is what's going to happen. There will be no world press freedom. There won't be. There just won't be. There won't be this idea of world press freedom if the U.S. continues to be able to you know, prosecute Julian Assange and then convict him in a trial. That, that will go away. When we have yeah. World Press Freedom Day, there will not be world press freedom.
0: No, and I definitely agree. I think that that's a very important point regarding kind of the status of what we're living in right now, because we have a president who is probably as close to a puppet president as we've maybe ever had. I guess you could say the second half of Reagan's presidency, you could say the same because of his Alzheimer's. And so here you have a president who won't even dare talk about Julian Assange. At least uh, Trump would acknowledge it, even though he didn't do shit about it. Uh, But now you really have to wonder if a lot of the nefarious behaviors that have been going on over the past couple of years have to do with the fact that President Biden has more or less um, not been in charge you also have to wonder what's going to happen going into next year. Is the Julian Assange issue going to become a campaign issue again? As of right now, you have RFK, Marion Williamson, and Dr. Cornell West are the only three candidates who have brought up ex- explicitly saying that we will free Julian Assange, or we will drop the charges against Julian Assange, should we be commander-in-chief. Now, of course, one would make the argument that the odds of either one of them becoming president are slim to none. So it's easy enough to say that if a viable candidate were to step up and say that Assange should be freed, uh, I don't know how significant an issue you guys think that's going to a role that's going to play in the election next year. I would be curious to hear if you guys do think that that will be big, especially in lieu of the backdrop that we're dealing with right now with Ukraine, And the louder and louder the voices get to end the wars, we're done with the forever wars in America.
3: Well, I think there is uh, part of the population that uh, do not like to see uh, uh, us engage in this in, in these endless wars that c- kill so many people, displace so many people, and then drain the resources of Americans and sending um, you know money billions of dollars, uh, hundred what is it, one hundred and fifty? We're up to now. 150 billion in, in uh, so-called aid to Ukraine where it's actually going to arms manufacturers and um, you know uh, others. So I, I don't think the American people are, are up for this again. And so I think that, that certainly could become uh, an issue in uh, campaigns. Um, the American people have so many misconceptions about Julian Um, I'm hoping that some of these candidates will set the record straight. You you probably are aware of the March uh, article in Harper's by Andrew Coburn, where he began to debunk many of the smears that have been spread about Julian using testimony from witnesses at the trial. Julian was uh, was the one who was insisting on redacting names. It was David Lee and Luke Harding of The Guardian who exposed the password to the unredacted state Department cables. This was after Julian had already worked with the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Der Spiegel, uh, you know, um, papers around the world to, to redact names and publish those. It was David Lee, so that redaction occurred in November, beginning in November of t- 2010. David Lee and Luke Harding exposed the password as, as a chapter heading in their book, How Arrogant Is That? Uh, that, I believe, was in February of 2011. Julian then began to work trying to make sure that anyone who, whose name might appear uh, would would know and, and uh, have you know be safe, uh, and, and it was actually John Young of Krypton who published uh, the unredacted cables in the United States on September 1st, 2011. And he testified at the trial. He submitted a, an affidavit saying he did so and that no one ever came to tell him to take it down or to arrest him. And it was only after Krypton uh, had published and other sites were publishing that Julian decided on September 2nd of 2011 to publish them in order to warn any others whose names were out there now who did not realize their names were out there and to prevent forgeries. So that's, um, you know, the American people need to understand what evidence, the importance of evidence. Just like um, Darnella Frazier taking the video, she was able to, with that video of unfortunately, of course, the death of George Floyd, Uh, change the narrative and it's really important, I think for us to change the narrative and and get these things out there.
1: Who do we think like ultimately at the end of the day is the person who really decides what Merrick Garland and the DOJ is going to do here. Like at the end of the day, I mean, I, I question whether or not it's Biden. I don't know exactly who's really in charge of this in particular and advising him on this, but I I feel like that's the person that we need to really be kind of focused on. I just don't, I'm not entirely sure who that is. Like, is it Merrick Garland? Is it, you know, is somebody else whispering in Joe's ear? I, I mean, that's the thing. Who is it?
2: We could ask Bill Burns, the CIA director, to no longer am- engage in this. That might not be the most stupid thing other than the fact that Bill Burns is a victim of WikiLeaks because his cables exposed that the U.S.-NATO alliance was encircling or encroaching upon Russia and was agitating them and you know I I still believe it's a preemptive war and a war of aggression against Ukraine but that being said those cables from the U.S. state embassy cable cash that Manning gave to Assange and WikiLeaks really do show a lot of the backstory of how just U.S. government officials were going against every foreign policy expert that advised them, including esteemed ones who really do believe in what we could call the American Empire Project. They had said, well, you know, this is kind of suicidal to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing up to the border. It's going to force Russia into a corner and they're going to act and they're going to do something to defend their territory or that they claim is a defense of their territory and to, you know, they want to maintain that buffer zone. They want Ukraine to remain that buffer zone between Russia and NATO. And that is what we're seeing is that they are are, and and, you know, if it takes five or 10 years, they're fine. We act like that's the trap. Like we're setting the trap. No, I think I think we're the ones that are going to have to expend more energy and resources to support all those people abroad, much like we had to expend that energy and resources to support um, the occupation of Iraq. So I don't know who's really setting a trap here. This country actually borders Russia. It's not too hard for them to have forces there in this bordering country. But I think, yeah, Bill Burns. Because to me, the CIA wants their pound of flesh. They want Julian Assange, and they're not going to let the Justice Department prosecutors drop these charges. You know, something changed. I mean, I really, I really think it's important for people to recognize the political reality. Something changed within that. National Security Division of the Justice Department. I've been covering this for the whole of 10 years. That article that Anne met, not to toot my horn, but like uh, Andrew actually wrote about me and the book that I wrote, Guilty of Journalism, and just documented the work that I was doing that has been completely different than the way that other media outlets have chosen to approach Assange. And so one of the things that I know is back in 2013, we had some of these Uh, we had this one article that was covering what was going on internally around the question of after Manning, are we going to charge Julian Assange and attorney general Eric Holder was uh, in the position at that time. And there was a disagreement. Um, I think that there was some kind of a disagreement, but ultimately their consensus came to, well, there's this issue. Uh, If we charge Julian Assange, we really believe that we're going to have to go after some New York times editors Uh, because they were involved in publishing the same information. So they really took seriously this. Now, if you look at the Yahoo News report that came in 2021 that revealed from over 30 sources that there was some plotting going on to kidnap kidnap or kill Julian Assange from the Ecuador embassy in London, what we find there is that Barack Obama actually authorized a kind of um, taking off of the gloves for the for the CIA to go and, you know, search and, okay, they're helping Edward Snowden now. I, can, I think we can maybe change our minds or uh, about whether they should be treated like a media organization anymore. They helped Snowden flee Hong Kong. So go ahead and go do what you would like. But ultimately, it's the Vault 7 materials in 2017 that make, uh, that, that turns the the, the the Christian right-wing fanatic the end times lunatic that is Mike Pompeo, it unleashes him. He he uses his first speech to call out WikiLeaks. He attacks Julian Assange. Uh, and he, he, the speech is all about WikiLeaks. This is the first speech as CIA director. And then from then on, it's like his obsession. It's his obsession to go after and get Assange removed from the Ecuador embassy to apply pressure to Ecuador to revoke the asylum that had been granted to Julian Assange. So I think maybe Bill Burns might be the one because you're right. I don't think Merrick Garland's going to do anything, or I don't think the National Security Division is going to abandon it. Or I don't think Tony Blinken at the State Department feels that anything is happening that violates press freedom or human rights. Um, even as it has, his job has become more difficult at some of these Latin America summits when Lula and Brazil or our AMLO in Mexico says and demands that the charges be dropped against Julian Assange. So it, maybe those are the people. But I also think that for activists throughout the country, this is one thing I want to make sure I get in before we wrap, is that everyone has Congress people in their district. There are only seven Congress people who signed on to a letter urging the justice department to drop charges. And it was actually missing some republicans who didn't want to be on there because they're actually racist scum who didn't want to be on there with like Elon Omar and other people. So like go go lobby your congress people even the ones that have been outspoken especially if they're like freedom caucus members who have claimed to support Julian Assange, ask them to sign on to it with Progressives and stop being tribalists and get on there and demand it so that there can be this kind of like transpartisan partisan uh, opposition in, in Congress and, and, and inform them, because I think uh, there was a poll done uh, just like t- uh, a year and a half ago that found that about half the country doesn't even know who Julian Assange is as a person. Like, he's just faded. Like, people don't have any idea. We're all worked up about him. We're, we, you know, and there's a lot of propaganda about him, but there's also half the country that doesn't know any of this propaganda that gets <laughs> us worked up and angry. So that's an opening. It's an opening for me. It's an opening for ants. An opening for both of you to do something. I think we need to confront people. So, like, here in Illinois, uh, I would go after Dick Durbin. I would go after... Um, uh, my local congressperson is Jan Schakowsky. I mean, it would be important to like write to them and say like what What are you doing um, up in Wisconsin? There are people who should be lobbied. I mean, look, Ron Johnson wants to act like he's some freedom of expression hero um, as he invites Matt Taibbi to the Hill. Great, come on, prove it, prove it. Stand up for, um, you know, stand up for Julian Assange. Um, maybe get Jim Jordan involved. Maybe Jim Jordan, in his loud mouth, can 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 support Julian Assange. I don't know, but um, I think like we have to start working our Congress people and get them to say something because the difference between our country and the UK and Mexico and Australia and Brazil and these other countries that you hear about, but really the ones that are most important are the UK, Australia, and the US. The difference is they have parliamentarians there and we don't here in the US. There aren't people in our Congress that are engaged, but there are people in parliaments in the UK and Australia who have spoken up. And actually the president, or sorry, the prime minister in Australia has said that he wants this to end so, so Julian Assange can come back home. So what do we need to do? We've got to start making people in Congress uncomfortable.
1: Well, I, well, I really, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I'd reach out to my congresswoman, but I'm quite certain that uh, she's not a fan of Julian. So that would just be talk about deaf ears.
3: Nonetheless, it, it's uh, it's good for them to hear and to be exposed to the actual facts in the case. Um, but I appreciate uh, Kevin's call to action. I, I just want to point out one thing that I don't think most Americans realize within the 18 charges against Julian, 17 of which are basically for the practice of journalism. Um, one of them criminalizes the possession of classified information by a publisher, by a journalist. One of them um, criminalizes the publishing of, I'm sorry, not classified information, it's called national security information. One of them um, uh, is uh, account against publishing national security information. This is what reporters do day in and day out when they receive their leaks from Congress or from uh, people on the Hill. And of course, nothing happens to them because they're publishing the things that the government wants to get out. But you can be sure that if anybody, after Julian Assange, publishes anything the government doesn't want to get out, They will come after them. Julian will be the first, but there will be many, many to follow and essentially effectively will destroy press freedom in the United States and frankly globally because we can now snatch uh, journalists from around the world.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: We can't thank you guys enough for coming on this evening. This is still a very vital topic that must be covered, Uh, press freedom is in great peril and the status reality is the people that are on the hill today that sit in those uh, show trial-like uh, circumstances with Corinne Jean-Pierre and others, um, they're not really doing journalism. In fact, we've seen many instances where they spit in the face of journalism as a result. So it is on us to do citizen journalism, which is perfectly legal and should still be practiced on the regular. Uh, If Julian goes down, we're all going down, and we have to get really serious about this. And as I said, hopefully, this will once again become a huge talking point uh, in the political arena, and the citizens are demanding it. The people who really understand what's going on are demanding it. You know, we do have a segment of the population, particularly the comfortable liberal class, who just goes along with whatever MSNBC and CNN tells them to believe. But I do think that that crowd is dwindling by the day. And I think that a lot of uh, significant changes could be on the horizon. The only way that's going to happen- I will say something
1: though, let me say something about what Kevin said. I actually think it's also very important for people to question all the candidates that are running for Congress. Because a lot of people that are just sitting there, they've been deflecting the Assange issue for years, most of them. They're very good at skirting it and getting around it. But I think when you put somebody who's running on the spot and ask them, you know, I think you're bringing attention to it in a way that that person hasn't been able to skirt the
0: issue yet. So, yeah, and of course, I mean, yeah,
1: overall, they just want to pretend it's not happening.
0: Yeah, and if you have one person who's doing it, it's easy to silence them. If you have hundreds of people doing it, it's a much, it's a lot harder, and yeah. then it becomes an issue that will just come to the forefront. Of course, the floor is yours first, and please let people know what you're working on, how, how you can your work and get involved.
3: Well, wow. um, I, I, I would echo what Kevin said. Please call your Congress people and um, tell them, you know, send them information. Uh, I know that when um, I've talked to my Congresswoman, when more about this, and she said, well, I really don't know anything about that. And so I've tried to send her, I, I gave her Niels Meltzer's book. I'll be happy to, to give her uh, Kevin's wonderful book as well. Uh, but calling calling your congressman and then go to AssangeDefense.org and on the Take Action tab, you can sign up to get information from Assange Defense. We now have, uh, due to the largesse of Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's, we have a th- 130 of these banners around the country and we will be displaying them in the future. Please get involved in further actions so that we can uh, help educate American people about what's really going on. Thank you so much.
0: And as you can see, the DOJ's phone number below, 202-353-1555. Tell the DOJ to drop the case against Julian Assange.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I'm under no delusions, don't get me wrong, but we're in the phase where what you do is you just ha- you just don't go home. You refuse you refuse to leave. You're, you're, you're constantly there. If you really do care about this, you, you go and, And, you know, when when you if you if you're going to give literature because they claim that they don't have any idea, they never read any video it and show that you're okay here's your here's the book there. And now, like they never can claim that again because you can show people always that something was given to them. So, like, we know you put it in the garbage and you didn't care about it. And so that exposes you for the fraud that you are as a member of Congress and, you know, we're in the part where you have to unmask these people and you know it's a it's a which side are you on moment, like as activists always talk about. That's that's the whole point of it. So, you know, I'm on the journalist side and on the activist side. I'll be covering these proceedings. I hope that nothing starts up in Alexandria, but if something begins with, you know, an arraignment and then legal proceedings leading up to a trial, I'll be out there in DC. And if people want to Get updates and follow what developments are happening in the case. They can go to the dissenter.org and subscribe to that newsletter and get independent journalism uh, proven and reliable on this case. And uh, just thank you for talking with me this evening.
1: No, thank you guys so much for coming on. Guys, it's very important for everyone to sort of stay updated on what's going on in this case because if and when it gets to the point where there is an extradition, it's going to be like we need every single person to like flood the area as much as possible. So it's going to just be like an alert situation. But guys, stay up to date. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you so much for
3: having us. Absolutely.
0: Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Kevin. Be well, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you. So obviously champions of real journalism, because that's what it is. And there are I, those... I guess
1: I'm, as fru- I'm so frustrated that we're still discussing this. It's like one of those things that I just it's just beyond belief that we're still having this discussion about Julian Assange and not just that we're having the discussion about Assange, but the manner in which he's been treated, the fact that he's in a maximum security facility, the ma- that he's in solitary, that he's the way that he's been treated has been vengeful. And vindictive and and nothing remotely near a justice situation. Um, And that's really the case here, even if, you you know, even if I was going to say, okay, obviously, I think it's ridiculous that he's being charged under the Espionage Act. I don't think that that's a legitimate thing. But all of that aside, the manner in which he's been being pursued is a complete violation of human rights in the world. Okay, so even if we were to agree that charges should be, you know, brought against him and he should be facing a trial, like all of that stuff aside, the manner in which they're treating him is just unbelievably just like despicable and how anybody in our Congress can sign some letter speaking out against um, or not wanting to hear Modi speak because of human rights violations. Any of those people that didn't sign on to the letter about Julian Assange are part of the problem. So, again, I don't know how more people aren't standing up for the violation of his human rights, even if you were to agree that he's somebody that should be brought to due process.
0: Well, in the early stages of forming your, you know, sort of like you're making a stand regarding your ability to be a leader, um, you know, like friend of the show, Chris Garrett, says, it is a third rail issue. But the truth is, if you really want to be a leader and you want people to follow you and support you in your efforts, uh, you can't be afraid of third rail issues. You have to take a stand. Those who are willing to take a firm stand on it, whether they agree or not, are the ones who deserve the most respect. The ones who are, are going to sidestep the issue. Those it's are cowardly. the worst. It's it the worst
1: cowardly. The worst I have time. no respect for that. It's like the equivalent of when AOC voted present. That's not that shouldn't even be an option. It's So cowardly. Take a stand. No, I, I
0: mean, I feel
1: like I've been Julian Assange for like 12, 13 years. I, I I, just, I feel like a broken record about Julian Assange.
0: We'll repeat it one more time. If you could, to each and every one of you who are watching, remember to smash that like button and share. And make sure that you call the Department of Justice. The comment line is 202-353-1555. Tell the DOJ to drop the case against Julian Assange. They do not like getting these phone calls. We did a live stream for this multiple times, including one time where we had several hundred people on the stream at once. And we're all making the phone calls. And then eventually Jen made a phone call and the person was like, could you freaking stop calling us already? Yeah. They don't like it.
1: They don't like it. They don't like it. It's a nuisance. It's just one of many tactics. I mean, obviously, you know, that's not the be all end all but it's definitely something that people can do that help um yeah yeah, i I mean what do we have coming up we have another interesting thing coming up on wednesday another uh in improper prosecution we're going to be talking with a couple of the members of the african um socialist the african people socialist party um, two of the members of that group that were arrested in St. Petersburg, not in Florida, not that long ago. And they're basically being treated as, um, political, um, rivals, opponents, but like, like they're part of a problem and these are peaceful activists. So we're going to get into that again and how they're being demonized and all of that. So, yeah, it's definitely a week of like, uh, just completely non or non-just or
0: unjust um, system
1: here.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, activism works, uh, but you have to be cohesive. And like Rufio says, we have to plan a phone ring because it has to be done in succession. It has to be planned. And the one thing the left is just so bad at, the populist left is very bad at unification and structure. The reason why the right, the populist right in particular, are so good at getting things done is because a lot of them are... Current or ex-military, and they are fully aware of how structure works and operates and they act accordingly. That is not as common on the left, and that is something that needs to happen. That is something that we really need to be focused on. So, yes, we do need to bombard them, but we have to be consistent with it. I assume General Hop back on. Again, we've having those connection issues this evening. And so
1: I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to get this all figured out. I think I figured out why I wasn't getting my camera on my laptop. Then I was having delays. But for whatever reason, my phone is working so much clearer than the computer. Because even on the computer, when I was having my camera working, I felt like I was delayed. And on my phone, there's no delay. There is audio feedback?
0: There was. There was
1: in the very beginning until I turned off my computer. But once I'm on my phone, it almost feels like, I mean, I'm sad to say this is better, but it is.
0: Well, if you like our content, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. Again, I know I'm repeating myself. I did this at the beginning of the live stream before you got on. We would appreciate any and all support. Of course, you get the Lulu sticker as an intro. $10 will get you our last bumper sticker. Mansion Parliamentarian, as our friend Jordan Cheriton shows every time he's live on Status quo. Below the United Corporations of America flag, there is the Mansion Parliamentarian bumper sticker. And of course, the $25 a month patrons are the $25 donors, specifically on Cash App. You get yourself the generational change tri-blend jersey. Our good friend, Big Dumb Animal Jen pointed out at the beginning, he is going to Disney World next week and he will be rocking that. Uh, here Comes the Sun. Oh, I didn't see uh, that, but I, I,
1: I was going to ask because um, I know I sent it out to him, and um, yeah, and it came under the the guise of Crime City Comics, so I remember pointing out, be on the lookout for a package from Crime City Comics.
0: Well, it's a good place to uh, have that coming from, and so let's see. It is right here. I will be in Florida next week. Can't wait to wear my Here Comes the Sun jersey at Universal Studios.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Big Dumb Animal.
0: And if you are so inclined and you want to chip in, but you don't want to be on the grid, make sure you go over to Cash App, dollar sign, gen change. Any and all contributions make a difference. Of course, we are transforming politics into service, and the service that we are trying to push for at this current moment as we speak, call one more time, the Department of Justice, 202-353-1555. So the are-
1: reach out to your representatives. Some of you have representatives that actually might need to be informed on this and, and aren't aware. You know, our representative is not that person, but your representative might be someone who just needs to be pushed. Um, and I think that that is important. The more of them that sign that letter, the bigger the coalition, the better it is. Uh, we got to do everything we can to help Julian.
0: Friend of the show, Brenda O'Reilly. Sorry to divert the convo, but I just wanted you guys to give. you want to give you guys an update. The Florida abortion rights petition collected two hundred forty thousand subs. We are about six hundred sixty thousand more signatures. It's actually before January first, so we do have some time. However, things are not going to pick up until the fall because of the weather. It is you. You're trying to get people to get outside and canvas at this time of year is very hard.
2: and a lot of
0: people be agreeable. But if you are so inclined and you are in the state of Florida, remember, guys, the very best and most effective way to spread the word, go to FloridiansProtectingFreedom.com. You can actually download a petition there and sign it. You have to be a Florida resident. You have to be registered to vote. That is it. But get this out there to any and all people you know living in the state of Florida. could be the most progressive person you know. could be the most conservative person you know. You'd be surprised how many people are conservative who are like, Women have a right to choose. I'm pro-life, but that doesn't mean I have to make you pro-life as well. So that is what we currently have on the itinerary Um Nothing we have hard. some
1: good stuff coming up, but yeah, guys, Wednesday check out the show African Socialist People's Movement or the I can't. I'm like dyslexic with their name, but like, what? It's really important that we talk about this. These are political organizations that are being um, basically targeted and prosecuted for political beliefs and things that are in no way violent or threatening. They're just not necessarily what our mainstream corporate capitalist oligarchs wanna hear. And so it's it's another situation where people are being wrongfully persecuted and we're gonna talk to two of those um, people. Did you see Katie had the leader on with them, with Penny and, and the other gentleman they're making the rounds. It's very important. And the only reason I really targeted those two is because they live in St. Petersburg. And the fact that they're local to Florida just sort of made it have some sort of local interest.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we got a lot of uh, things to work on here. And, you know, we're obviously grateful for each and every one of you in the chat who have been supporting our efforts. Uh, as far as our guests that we have coming up, Tom Hartman will be here in a couple of weeks returning to discuss his latest book, and then, of course, we also. Which is, are,
1: by the way, also horrifying. Not that you'll be surprised to know. It's another one of those, oh shit, we're more screwed than I thought kind of books, but okay.
0: We're still trying to convince Tom that he has to play offense and not defense, and we'll leave him. He we'll can't.
1: He's not going to go against the potty.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, we are also planning on having back friend of the show and who we believe is our best representative statewide, Anna Escamani. Uh, we're also. Uh, I also threw a message out there to State Senator Shepard Jones, trying to get him to come on. Want to have a few of them. On. He,
2: so, owes yeah. he, he owes us.
0: Yeah. He owes us. Here to come, come on and talk about and promote Floridians protecting freedom, which is going to be their biggest effort and push once this once the next uh session begins going into the fall up in Tallahassee. So this is a very big fight uh, that is going to really take shape um as we go forward um we're obviously very appreciative for each and every one of you who have come on the show this evening we are definitely uh, overworked uh this is three hours worth of uh of podcasting i don't know yes. how these guys do this um we already have enough as it is this is not our career this is a hobby that we care very much uh, about you know more about transforming politics in a service. That is our fight. We hope it's yours too. Thank you so much. And by the way, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I can't even keep track of the days anymore. I just can't. It's Everything July goes-
1: 3rd. It's Julian's birthday. It's Monday. We didn't even questions. talk about 4th of July. And I'm glad the truth is I don't like it. It's not something I like. I think it's very, very where I am. There are not just a lot of wild animals, but a lot of livestock. And when people set off the fire, like, I can't tell you how traumatized some of these animals are going to be. And it, that's the thing that I really get stressed out about. And like, I have a dear family of five that lives behind us. I got, you know, they can't possibly like this.
0: Thank you. You do like my music. Uh, Rufio, uh, we'll discuss Patrick Bet-David when Jen gets back to Florida. We'll see what we can do then. Uh, but for all of you that are here supporting our show, thank you so much. Keep sharing. Smash that like button. Get the word out there. Comment when we drop. Um, obviously, uh, follow us on social media. If you are not already, make sure you're following Generational Change on... Instagram, as well as Twitter. Uh, wait, no, L on Twitter. And then make sure you're following Jen Perlman on Facebook. Thank you so much, and we will see you Wednesday.
1: Bye, all. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.